reviews and previews. This is the Sports Desk. Hello and good morning to the Sports Desk on your Friday morning, Friday the 15th of October. And it's a good, very good morning to our super sub replacements in our show. Uh, of course, Matt Bastow and Josh Stumpo. Good morning both to you. Good morning, Sam. How's it going? And morning, Josh. Sam. Up in the bathroom. Yes, very, very exciting. Some... Um, just when we thought it calmed down a bit with the footy finishing and a bit of sports happening, uh, we're right back on the horse again, uh, literally, with the Spring final, spring Carnival kicking off. Um, lots of things this weekend and plenty of news to get straight into. So that is exactly what we're going to do. And our first story this morning, the 2021 Australian Open and the 2022 Women's Australian Open has been cancelled as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to play havoc with international travel plans. Golf Australia has announced the decision on Thursday saying it would begin planning for a return of the two Opens in 2022 to 2023 Summer of Golf. It is the second straight year. Australia's flagship golf tournament has been cancelled because of the coronavirus. The Women's uh, Oz Open was set to was set for Kionga Golf Club in Adelaide in February 2022. Uh, they say the decision has not been made lightly, but we believe... Uh, it has to be the right outcome under the current circumstances, Golf Australia Chief James Sutherland says. The international element means shifting quarantine and travel restrictions wreak havoc on planning, and with our marquee players living abroad, the challenge is even greater. Uh, what are you boys' thoughts on that? Uh, not too many thoughts, to be honest. I'm not a golf fan at all. I thought you were talking about the, uh, the tennis at the first there. I had not heard of this at all. When you said it, I was just like, whoa. Australian Open tennis has been cancelled, and you really shocked me. But it's only the golf, so uh, no issues there on my behalf. Oh, okay. Well, at least he's honest. <laughs> yeah, um, you know the old golf experience I've had is maybe I think it's called mini golf. Um, so yeah, no, no experience whatsoever. I know a couple of uh, my mates play golf, and they're very glad it's back up and running. But hopefully. Um, if you get invested into it, apparently it's really addicting. So might have to give that a shot after lockdown. Well, there you go. You've heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> maybe haven't got the right people for the job here. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> next story, the Brooklyn Nets head coach. This will be up your alley. The Brooklyn Nets head coach, uh, Steve Nash, says the team made a difficult, difficult decision to shelve star point guard. Kyrie Irving until he gets vaccinated against COVID-19. Everyone had their say, Nash told reporters after training on Wednesday. Uh, it takes time to make decisions like this. This is a difficult decision, but I think it was uh, a sound one and one that makes complete sense to everyone. Star guard James Harden said it was time to proceed without Irving, uh, but both he and Nash said they would happily welcome the Australian-born star back. We're just going to move on, and if thing cha- things change would be incredible to have him back in the fold nash said and new york city rules say he must get the jab to play or train with the brooklyn nets what what do you what do you thought on that situation and it's surprising to hear from an australian star um yeah it's uh it's it's a very interesting situation i'm not 100 percent sure i i think the league itself has actually mandated it as well like i think um or maybe it hasn't i'm not 100 percent sure on the specifics around it all if it's just like some some states have like mandated it for them to be able to play or whatever. But 
Yeah, either way, it's um, it's a big deal for them because uh, he's one of their big pieces. Like they've got a lot of star players now, but um, he's an important part of that, and they've uh, got him there on big money. So um, him not being around probably at all for the entire season is uh, definitely going to hurt them. Josh, I mean, yeah, uh, what what um, KD did during the Olympics, I mean. If he continues that form, I don't think Kyrie will be a huge loss for him. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting the political side of it, which obviously has been the on the agenda for a couple of months. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Big call. Yeah, well, hopefully, um, it's just I mean, they're role models, uh, sports players, uh, and especially stars like NBA players. Um, so I think on a on a front, uh, it's a good decision whether it is uh, just the legal terms from uh, the, the New York City itself or, or part of the NBA rules. Um, they're they're big role models, and uh, I think uh, well we've been we we all know what the world's been like for the last two years, and uh, it's not particularly helping it, but. Uh, We'll, we'll see, and hopefully maybe he might make a return later this season or, or when he feels comfortable. Um, but uh, it would be a big loss for, for Australian sport and fans. You know, they generally like to watch over here and follow the Australian guys. Um, so, yeah, that's interest, interesting. We'll see how that develops. Uh, next story is here. Australian marathon swimmer Chloe McCardell has broken the record for the most number of successful crossings of the English Channel Completing her 44th on Wednesday, the English Channel is 33 kilometres across, but swims are often uh, far longer due to the tides, and she's already said she's uh, not go- going to be doing it again. Uh, first of all, like, I-, I know that's a tremendous effort, but why? <laughs> it's amazing to do uh, that in one, just one attempt alone, but to do that, to cross the English Channel to France... 44 times, it's just unthinkable. What are your thoughts of it? Josh, you're a, a budding swimmer? <laughs> uh, yeah, let me tell you, um, 33 kilometers uh, for people that have not swum. Um, let's just say one kilometer. It, it, feels, it feels a lot, one kilometer when you're in the pool. So I couldn't imagine doing that 33, t- 33 times. Um, Plus in the elements, yeah, but, freezing cold. and Yeah, oh. exactly. Good on her. It definitely take a lot of mental toughness. Um, geez, that's a big effort. Big effort. So is that thirty-three consecutive crossings? Like all, just consecutive, or what's the what's the story there? Uh, I'm not sure if they're in a row, but uh, it's not thirty-three. It's forty-four. Forty-four. Jesus. Um, and so yeah, they say thirty-three, but swims are often. Uh, further due to the the tides so battling against the tides um, um just watching out for ships as well and boats on the <laughs> canal whatever oh uh, i don't think i could do even a quarter of that so a uh, tremendous effort to her um uh another great australian re- record in the in the record books um, also, the world's premier women's T20 competition, Big Bash League, uh, is now underway. Starting off last night, featuring the best uh, of the Australian uh, cricketers and 21 overseas stars. Complications surrounding COVID-19 and state border restrictions have made the tournament very difficult to stage for a second year. Uh, last season was played entirely in a Sydney hub, but this time the tournament 
has shifted to Tasmania, which is hosting the first 24 games before moving to uh, a carnival-style weekends across South Australia, Western Australia and Queensland. At this stage, spectators in Victoria and New South Wales will miss out, but organisers hope um, by finals they may be able to be played in these states if their teams make it through to the top four. Uh, which is pretty interesting, though, as, as we're going with the vaccinations at the moment. It's, uh, things are looking good, so maybe might even be earlier than that. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the Big Bash returning, especially the women's competition, Matt? Yeah, it's good. It's good to have it back. Um, both the Big Bashes, the men's one, will be back soon as well, and it's just uh, it's the signal of the uh, summer. Summer is starting to arrive. I think whenever you see the Big Bash coming back on, it's uh, good times are on the way, and the good weather is on the way. Most importantly. And the BBL, I do have some controversy here. Uh, Not many people like to hear the word rule change, but that is on the cards for the BBL. We'll just go through it. There were some last year. Uh, For the ones, I'm not sure if you can remember them from last year, but uh, do you remember them? Uh, They introduced introduced four, I think it was four things. It was all to do with like the the bash boost point and all that stuff um, where... I can't even remember the specifics around it, but it was, it was where like you um there was like a total that you had to chase within the run chase pretty much, and you'd get an extra point on the like on the ladder table for that um and stuff like that. And it actually ended up being a I think a lot of people when they saw stuff like that getting added, they just thought mm, you know very weird, very strange, and doesn't seem necessary. But it added a pretty interesting dynamic to last season where. Um, teams were sort of obviously going to lose, but they were able to chase um, these extra points that were up for grabs and sort of improve their position on the ladder, and it became pretty critical towards the end of the season. Okay, well, this time around the rule change, uh, and it's not 100% locked in. I think they're still uh, working it out. Uh, But a radical version uh, of the timed-out rule for the upcoming season uh, in an attempt to find ways to speed up play, Cricket Australia's, uh, Cricket Australia's Playing Conditions Committee uh, is li- looking into a stricter monitoring of time between the fall of a wicket and the next ball and potential penalty for players that take too long. Uh, the law has been previously updated in uh, Cricket Australia's BBL Playing Conditions to state that players must be in a position within 60 seconds. However, the playing condition has never been in force with examples of players taking more than two minutes to face uh, up without any consequence, the BBL is now considering a 75-second time limit. Uh, it is understood the players will not be given time doubt should they fail to meet the time allowed. Instead, uh, one proposal is that the bowler will get a version of a batting free hit with the batter to stand aside and allow a free delivery at the stumps. What do you think about that, Josh? Uh, that, that's like that's a bit of backyard cricket rules, I reckon, then. <laughs> Yeah, get not sure if it's out or not. Just move move out of the way, and if I hit the stumps, you're out. Um, no, nah, but definitely like the BPL is the BBL is definitely um a fast paced game, bit of arcadey, nice nice uh, fill in for cricket between the tests. Um, so I don't mind tampering them tampering with the rules as as long as they keep the you know original one days and tests as they are. Well, see, and, I, um, I, I like to yeah. think of it because, uh, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest cricket fan. Well, I'm not really much of a cricket fan at all. Uh, I've never been able to get into it, but uh, I've been trying to give the BBL a bit of a chance and a more quicker, fast-paced, shorter version of the game is something for me that maybe uh, 
maybe fans who are not normally attracted to the big long test that lasts over days might be a more appeal to. Um, Matty B, what do you think about the rule? Uh, yeah, I think I feel like part of that might be as well trying to, for some reason, even though it is played um, over the summertime, for some reason there always seems to be a few games that get impacted by the rain and um, there's always been a lot of controversy around the way that they settle those games because um, I can't remember the name of the rule, but essentially, if they're able to resume the yeah the duck earth, yeah they if they're able to resume the play, they just set um, like an average doubt total for the oh. whoever's chasing um, to chase that down. And so, I think there's always been a little bit of controversy over that. So, potentially they're trying to sort of limit the limit the risk for that. Just mm. if the games can be played a lot quicker, then they don't have to worry about forfeiting overs or anything like that. So. Uh, potentially potentially a good move again. Okay. Well, we look forward to the BBL um, women's underway, of course, uh, this weekend, plenty of games, and um, and the men's competition not far away, as you think, early December. Uh, first week of December, I'm pretty sure uh, that is underway. When we come back, the NBA returns next week. Some B-ball is back, uh, and that's all right here on the Sports Desk on your Friday morning on Sin. Airways, me and my brain on the sports desk uh, on your Friday morning, and it's time for some b-ball. And it is almost here. Next Wednesday, the NBL, uh, sorry, NBL, NBA kicks off. Uh, we're probably. Actually, can you check that for me, uh, Matty B, NBL? We want to know when our, of course, our Australian competition kicks off as well. But the big American stuff... pre-season this week. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, the big NBA season starts next week. The first two games to be tipped off are the Bucks and the Nets, uh, Wednesday, uh, the 20th of October, 10.30am, and uh, the Lakers and the Warriors will play 1pm that day. Uh, what have been your overall thoughts and... Uh, Things you've seen from the preseason competition, particularly some of the Aussies playing uh, in America. Uh, it's been good. Josh Giddy, um, can't remember where he got picked. He was in the first round, though. Obviously, the Australian uh, played in the NBL last year, and um, has been looking very comfortable in uh, his time at the Thunder in the preseason. Here, he's just a great, solid all-round player, and he's just been racking up, racking up the all-round stats so far. So. Looks like he'll be starting for sure coming into the start of the year and uh, he'll be probably pushing for that rookie of the year, you'd hope. Um, and yeah, obviously day one we got the reigning champions, the Bucks, up against the Nets who are going to be without Kyrie, but that'll be a great matchup. And um, the Lakers with the new addition, Russell Westbrook, just another star to the uh, ensemble of superstars that they already have. Um, up against the Warriors, who get Steph Curry back, who spent a lot of last year without injury, uh, with injury rather, and then um, Clay Thompson will return for them eventually throughout this year from his injury, long-term injury. So that'll be good to see them hopefully pushing towards the top end of the conference again as well. Josh, what are your thoughts? Yep, uh, my man Joshy Green, you know, filling the role well for the Mavericks off the bench. We'd love to see it. Let me just tell you, Sam, the Mavericks is 3-0 uh, in the preseason. I can't remember the last time we've actually had a good preseason. So, new coach, new system, might pay off. 
Well, still a long season ago, so <laughs> we get to see them in uh, the professional games, pre-season games. Uh, you can take a little bit from it, but not too much. I know you're getting excited. Um, yeah, Western, Western Conference Finals from Mavericks. I'll put it out right now. <laughs> and uh, um, I don't have the full schedule here, but I wonder who the Knicks. Uh, I wonder if the Knicks will continue. They they slipped away, but they come up out of nowhere. I wonder if they will have an interesting year climbing back up to the top as well. Well, you've yeah, got the Celtics. Yeah, Celtics yeah. in the first game. The Celtics. Okay. Oh, the bit of a rivalry here. ESPN. Yeah. Tune in. <laughs> at ten thirty a.m. on a Thursday. Perfect. <laughs> well, we look forward to plenty more NBA talk next week. Uh, but we're going to jump, keep moving with the show and the AFL trade deadline has hit and um, we, we'll look at a few of the last uh, couple of changes uh, that came in uh, just a few days ago when the door slammed shut. A few of the interesting ones, a few of the uh, transfers that didn't get done. Uh, what do you think of the transfer period, Matty B? Uh, yeah, a lot more quieter than... Uh the last few years that's for sure that was obviously the general consensus i think um but still some interesting moves um and i feel like there was yeah quite a few players that ended up staying when they were rumored to not go you obviously had like rory lobb from frio was rumored to go back to gws all of a sudden and that didn't happen you had bobby hill from gws wanted to go to uh wanted to get to essendon and that didn't happen so a lot of teams are standing strong um, but yeah, I think overall there's, it's, um, a lot of teams just sort of got in some, some solid players to fill the roles that they needed and there wasn't anything sort of too, too groundbreaking or too crazy out of the trade period, I don't think. So who, who are your top, top three trades for you that you've seen? Top three trades? Oh, I mean, like, I... I feel like the the best trade from this trade period, Peter Laddams it, to Sydney, um, I think it was probably the last one that got done. But uh, it's going to be pretty underrated, I reckon. He's I rate him quite a bit, uh, quite a bit, Peter Laddams. He's um got definitely got the potential to be that number one rock, and he can play forward as well. And um, I can't remember exactly what Port gave, uh, not Port, what Sydney gave up for him. Uh, pick twelve. And a future third round selection, um, and then the Swans got sixteen and Peter Laddams. So I feel like that was a really good deal in the Swans' favour. And uh, with Tom Hickey sort of in the back end of his career, he has the potential to uh, lead that lead that Sydney midfield, that up and coming Sydney midfield. Um, I also liked Max Lynch to Hawthorne. He uh, was obviously back in the pecking order at Collingwood behind uh, Brody Grundy, Max Lynch, but. I liked the way he played in the couple of games that he played this year, and uh, going to Hawthorne, who obviously just lost Jonathan Segler to Geelong. Um, I think he, uh, same sort of situation, has a good opportunity to take that number one rock spot. Okay, that was two. Your third one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> digging deep here. I mean, I'm not sure if this was a a trade, but Luke Dunstan to Melbourne. I think he was a free agent, but. Um, like reigning premiers and they've just got in a guy who I think aside from obviously Jack Steele, he was St. Kilda's next best um, Brownlow vote getter. So I think there's definitely some flaws in his game, which are well known to uh, Saints fans. I seem to have seen them uh, bagging his kicking quite a bit, but um, 
in an environment like Melbourne, who are just coming off a premiership, um, he's just going to be able to work on those skills and just top off a, a already solid side. Great. Okay, Josh, what was your uh, thoughts yeah, well, on the overall period? Um, was there a trade period? Period. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you Maybe what. Maybe not for Melbourne. The trade period at Icon Park for you, which kills me to say, um, they're probably the superstars of the trade period, as they always do, to get their fans' hopes up. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so we've got... Uh, oh, come on, they don't need Georgie to get their hopes up for Chera. We just know he's going to be good. Oh, Georgie Hewitt from the Swans as well. <laughs> get him in. He's done well. Yep. Pick um, 39. Um, comps- com- comps- uh, compensation pick. Um, going to the Swans for that, and they're obviously the Chera, the Chera show, Chera and Walsh. That's going to be um, extremely scary. And you've given up uh, pick six for him and a future third round pick, so fair trade in all parts. And um, the big one down at Arden Street. As a North Melbourne fan, um, <laughs> my biggest fear was if Goldstein went down, our season would immediately be. To shreds, even like we probably can't finish level than last, but um, so we've got the Coleman Jones coming in and um, two third round picks and a future fourth round for Robbie Tarrant. Robbie Tarrant, thanks for his service, he's really done well there. And a couple of picks going to uh, Richmond, so no, I, th- I yeah, think you, did, be... you did pretty well with that one. I reckon that was a good trade. Uh, I think yeah, some Richmond too. fans yeah. will be uh. Pretty upset. They've uh, young developing player, maybe someone they might have needed. They might be heading towards Geelong way. Not, not, not there yet. But uh, you know, a couple of years, and they might have Geelong situation. You never know. Um, and this is Fox Footy has got a report card for the trades. They've given Carlton an A plus. Oh, sorry, an A. They haven't given an A plus. Uh, a C minus to the Swans. A B plus to the Fremantle, uh, and a C to Brisbane. And you haven't mentioned any of the Brisbane trades. Well, there was only one, and that was Darcy Fort, Geelong, Geelong backup ruck. <laughs> they got him in to uh, support uh, the big O in the ruck. Um, so it's one of those ones that's just like a can't really lose. I don't think. I think he's gonna be a solid backup to Oscar McInerney, and I think that's exactly what they want. So nothing big like last last year, but um, they got got what they needed. All right, well, that is the trade period. Um, we can't get... Uh, how many weeks away until the... I think it's the National Draft and a few of the other drafts? Uh, hold on, I've got the calendar on my phone. Um, I'm counting down the day. No, oh, of course he is. If you haven't have gathered yet, um, he's a North Melbourne fan, putting all his chips onto the number one draft, who he hopes he's good. Um, <laughs> as we know, not with all drafts, number one drafts and... Some oh, can be good, on. some can be not. So let's hope for him he gets a good one. And Mason Cox, he was putting being brave, uh, putting out on Twitter uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, any club need a ruck slash forward? Uh, <laughs> just putting it out there. Uh, so well, but, he's Sounds like he'll be back at Collingwood. Yeah. But purely because, purely because the, they traded out Lynch, I think. Yeah. So have you got the November dates? 24, the National Draft. There yeah. you go, Sam. Okay. Well, we look forward to that. Um, and, yeah, the footy, te- footy talk continues in Melbourne, uh, even in the off-season. Exciting um, 
getting back into. I mean, we're a long way off it, but uh, geez, we just we've loved the footy all year, and it's just gone. So I think we're hanging on to it by threads <laughs> until the summer kicks off. Uh, but when we come back, we'll be talking uh, Champions League, Premier League, the Socceroos, Premier League. Sorry, the Socceroos played a game. Uh, wasn't the result we wanted. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, and uh, the Spring Carnival underway. Two big races this weekend to look out for. That's all and more on the Sports Desk right here on Sin. Summer night. Garden City movement on the Sports Desk on your Friday morning. It's time to talk some football. And Matty B, the Socceroos, they played a game um, Wednesday night. Or Tuesday night it was, sorry. Uh, Japan, it was a really big, hyped-up game. Uh, Japan's been a big rivalry um, in the last couple of years. And the qualifiers, we've had 11th straight wins, uh, breaking records. So I think we were on a high and we're a bit bit underprepared, I think, going into that one. We hadn't really had some uh, too many tough challenges um, uh, going forward. But what were your overall thoughts of the game? Uh, for anyone that missed it, we went down 2-1. Uh, to Japan, a home crowd, uh, which I think really affected it. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, look, overall, I think it was a uh, relatively solid showing. Um, we had our chances um, against a team that traditionally has sort of always had the better of us. And like you said, coming off the back of that um, incredible form where we hadn't lost in so long um, up against a quality team like Japan, um, it was always going to be a tough one, but... Um, yeah, it was just pretty rough going down like we did, like, you know, 86 minute and what was, you know, an own goal in the end, um, after an incredible little purple patch from Matty Ryan just before that as well, like he was on absolute fire, um, and he was named man in the match, I think as well, um, very well deservedly. Um, but yeah, disappointing to not get the, the win there, but I think the World Cup qualification is still well and truly on the horizon there for us to grab. Yeah, Saudi, Abra- Saudi Saudi Arabia uh, next challenge. Um, they've undefeated, I'm pretty sure. Um, we're still up there. I mean, it's helped a lot that we've got those um, early points uh, and being up in the table so high that we are already. Uh, so I feel I still think we're in a, a, a safe position. But uh, look, it was it was a challenge, and I, I think we need these challenges going forward. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's hard in the conditions that they're playing in. We've only got players uh, predominantly uh, that play in the overseas leagues, um, and I don't think we've got our best, our best eleven in. Um, a lot of the A League players aren't playing in it, and I think with the reduced squad, means they're a bit fatigued. Um, we saw that. I think a point to note to Aaron Moy. I noticed the game. Just he was such the presence he had on the field, and when he got taken off, I think uh, that that was a big loss for the whole team. I think um, uh, he creates something in there that uh, is needs to be there. So I think all the players, if we could have had more players in and stuff, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, um, I think uh, Arnold Graham Arnold early in the week was saying that he wanted some. Uh, hopefully some qualifying fixtures uh, at home in Australia, in Sydney with a crowd, uh, which will be massive, massive for us if we can get that um, towards the end. Uh, I know you didn't see all the game, Josh, but what did you think of the game? Uh, and we haven't really mentioned the the goal. Krustic, amazing finish. Uh, yep. Uh, um, unfortunately for me, I, I could catch the first half. Um, 
Yeah, that first half, Milamino and I can't remember the other wingman's name, absolutely dominated us. It was very, very scary. Um, I reckon they should have should have been at least 2-0 at halftime. We're lucky to hold on. Um, but yeah, surprising, surprisingly, I woke up the next day and we scored. Um, didn't really, We didn't really look like scoring in the first half. Um, but yeah, sad, sad to see us go down and... But you know, like like you always say, you'd rather go down um, in these qualifiers and the actual World Cup. Learn from it, and yep. let's see how we respond. Yep, each loss and each challenge comes with uh, you know a greater step and a greater uh, a challenge for us to aspire to. So um, go the Socceroos. When we next uh, next fixture, if you can find that, Matt, please <laughs> underprepared here. Um, as we go into the Champions League. And the Champions League back next week. Um, next week is just full of things. Uh, match day three kicks off on Wednesday. Uh, won't go through all the fixtures, but a few of the big ones here. Uh, PSG play RB Leipzig 6am Wednesday. Um, uh, Club Bruges and Man City play 3.45 Wednesday morning. Unfortunately for the... Uh, the daylight savings have kind of screwed up um, and the timings for, <laughs> for us here. Uh, they're a bit unpleasant, but uh, we'll, we'll deal with them as they come. Atletico Madrid play Liverpool Wednesday, 6am. Sharif, they've got their uh, massive first win. They play Inter Milan at 6am Wednesday. Ajax play Dortmund, 6am Wednesday. Big game, that one too. Um, RB Salzburg play Wolfsburg Thursday, 345 Man United play Atalanta, 6 a.m. Thursday. Barcelona play Dynamo Kiev, Thursday, 3.45. Um, and Chelsea play Melmo, Thursday, 6 a.m. So more fixtures there. We didn't get through all of them, but that kicks off next week. Um, can't wait to get into the Champions League. Uh, That's the only big thing about the Champions League. They tease us. They bring these massive fixtures, and then they go, well, you got to wait another month um, before the next lot. Uh, but what was the what was our next date for the Socceroos, Matt? Just what we were waiting on before. Uh, it was that that Saudi Arabia game, so eleventh of November. All right. Well, we look forward to that eleventh of November. Um, it was still a while away, but uh, yeah, interesting stuff in the Champions League. What are your thoughts on the Champions League fixtures this week, Josh? Uh yeah, pretty pretty big games. Just approach us. Um, we just come off international break, expecting the EPL back, and all of a sudden the Champions League back as well. It's um. It's great for us, considering there's no AFL. Um, yeah, um, I'm hoping Chelsea get a comfortable win here. And, you know, I reckon the upset would be Atlanta would be beating Man United. I'm calling it now. <laughs> well, we can only hope. Um, but, yeah, I just I can't wait to discuss it next Friday, some of these results, because, uh, look, it was interesting last year. Two English teams in... Um, I few think a few of the big teams slipped away really last um, last time that we want to be back in it, and with a few of the transfers this year, Messi and PSG and Ronaldo and Man United m- makes for a, a crazy amount of games. Uh, so we look forward to that Champions League uh, crazy stuff next week, and of course we got the Premier League this weekend. We'll chat about that next right here on the Sports Desk on your Friday morning on Sin. Dead Shadows, Baltimore on the Sports Desk on your Friday morning. And it's time to talk some Premier League. 
Um, we've had the international break and we are back. Match day seven was completed before that, but we're up to match day eight. We'll go through of the results uh, from match day seven. Man United drawed with Everton 1-1. Chelsea defeated Southampton 3-1. Wolves defeated Newcastle 2-1. Burnley drawed with Norwich 0-0. Arsenal and Brighton drawed 0-0. Leeds United defeated Watford 1-0. Tottenham defeated Aston Villa 2-1. Brentford defeated West Ham 2-1. Crystal Palace and Leicester City drawed 2-2. Uh, and Liverpool and Man City 2-2. Now, I know we've already uh, spoken about this on last week's show, so we're going to just quickly brief over them. Uh, but a few of them are interesting. Leicester City and Crystal Palace, that late comeback from Palace. Brentford continuing their form, getting a late strike against West Ham. Uh, Aston Villa, unfortunately, just falling short. Tottenham maybe finally getting their groove on. We don't know. Tottenham have a mixed bag. Um, I could say they're almost... Arsenal's opposites or similar uh, I should say that both fans would be hating I've even said that <laughs> um, uh, and Leeds Leeds getting some I'd be worried a bit about Leeds uh, not getting as many wins early on as they I think last year in their first season um, and look, pathetic from Arsenal Brighton should have won that game um, nil nil draw but we move on match day 8 and kicking off 10.30 Saturday nights, no more 9.30 games, unfortunately, but 10.30, still pretty good time. Watford play Liverpool, Southampton play Leeds United 1am, Norwich and Brighton play Sunday 1am, Aston Villa play Wolves Sunday 1am, Leicester City and Man United play Sunday 1am, Man City and Burnley Sunday 1am, uh, Brentford and Chelsea play Sunday 3.30, Everton and West Ham play Monday midnight, Newcastle and Tottenham play uh, Monday 2.30. And to finish off the round, Arsenal and Crystal Palace, Tuesday 6 a.m. Uh, we'll start off you, Matty B. Uh, I know you're a Villa fan. What are your thoughts on the last game and Wolves as an opponent? Yeah, look, the last one was uh, very disappointing. We um, started to get on top in that second half and uh, managed to score that equalising goal in the 67th minute and then uh, scored an own goal. Um for, to uh, go down 2-1 there to Tottenham. So quite disappointing. Um, game against Wolves is going to be an interesting one, a nice mid, mid-table mid clash. They obviously just got the done uh, got the job done over Newcastle last match day. So um, it'll be good to be back at home, though, as well for the, the Villa. So uh, I think we can probably get, get the job done there, hopefully. And uh, Josh, your Chelsea takes on Brentford. Uh, and Brentford are really showing their stuff. They've already defeated some big teams already this season. Uh, could this be a moment for Chelsea to slip up? Southampton, whew, it, it wasn't until the latest sta- latter stages of the game uh, that you finally got one in the net. But Brentford, Brentford, could this yeah, be... Um, it's a bit scary. Um, Brentford's only lost one game out of the seven they've played. Whew, whew. So, yeah, <laughs> so that's a bit scary. Um, so they're, they're, they're the Moneyball team of the competition. It's actually exciting to watch them. Um, you always, Brentford's always the one where if they're versing a big team and you don't go for them, you're going for Brentford all the way. Um, so every supporter, except for Chelsea supporter, supporters, I think will be going for Brentford this week. Um, and yeah, man, Timo, Timo Werner in form. See what he can do. Over the international break, got a, a brace, so 
we'll see. But three thirty for us, not a good time at all. That is a terrible time. Um, but you know the things we do for soccer. It is. Yep, that's very right. Um, just less than City Man United be interesting. Man United, of course, coming off a draw. Uh, Newcastle and Tottenham. Now, I haven't spoken about Newcastle yet. Their big takeover. Oh, well, look, we don't know if it's 100% locked in. Uh, I, I think a lot of the Premier League, Premier League clubs are not very happy with it. I wonder if this will spur the players on to want to absolutely destroy them. Uh, <laughs> so Tottenham will get that chance this weekend. Uh, let's see if they can do it. Um, but there's been... Oh, you've seen every meme under the sun, the Champions League music with uh, Haaland, uh, Messi, like... Some of these lineups are better than some of the big teams you see in Ultimate Team when you come across. Uh, it's just <laughs> insane. Um, and Arsenal, Crystal Palace. Look, another big test for Arsenal. Crystal Palace finally getting some form. Look, they're in big trouble if they lose this one. They're in big trouble if they lose this one. <laughs> they've, they've somehow managed to sneak their way up to 11th though on the table. They had a few wins in a row there, and they've snuck their way back up into the mid-table somehow after sort of sitting in that relegation zone for the first part of the season. Still still on that negative five-goal difference, though. Yeah. Yep. Another, another London derby, which Crystal Palace, I don't know, they always step up to the occasion for. Uh, Man City and Burnley should be an easy one for Man City this weekend. Breeze oh, back oh, into oh, the uh, oh. competition. I say that every time, and then we get the uh, the Southampton nil nil draw going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but we love the Premier League back. Um, it's it's great to have it back. Uh, I don't really like the international breaks to be honest. I know we get to see our national teams play, but uh, when you're so invested should, in the competition, what were we they should say? just do it like the they should do it like with the women's with the women's leagues where they just take the players away if they have international duty, then they miss out on club fo- football. <laughs> Tough. Just keep playing. I think we yeah. all love to see that. Mm, that, that, that was thought the boys from the men, I reckon, with the club. <laughs> <laughs> and before we wrap up quickly and being a quick show today, uh, the Spring Carnival, of course, is underway. Uh, and two big races to look out for this weekend. Uh, of course, in Melbourne, we've got the Caulfield Cup Race 9 at Caulfield uh, and a few interesting ones. Matty B's going to take us through some of the form. Uh, one for me, Incentivize, the short favourite. He's uh, drawn a tough barrier, barrier 20. Um, tough one for him. So if he's going to be a better... Uh, I know he's a short favourite. Is he a good enough horse uh, drawing a barrier like that to come out and come out and win it? What are your thoughts, Matty B? Uh, yeah, look, it's uh, it's tough, tough for any horse when they're drawing out there, but he's uh, clearly proven that like it is, it's it's classes above the field, really. Um, it's the best horse by a mile, and it's only going to get better going up in distance uh, here. So it's going to be hard to beat, but the barrier does make it tough. So um, there is potential for an upset there. Um, I reckon reckon the chosen one or explosive Jack are going to be uh, very good chances, especially if the rain keeps coming. Uh, and a bit of a roughie for you. Who, who have you seen, Josh, in the list? Uh, the uh, number 16, Nonconformist, rated by Craig Williams. Uh, nonconformist? Nonconformist. Yeah. That's how you say it. <laughs> That's all. Well, whatever, whenever you say his name, you'll learn it when he wins. <laughs> all right, okay, all right. Um, and another race this weekend, the Everest, uh, race seven at Randwick. 
another big one. This is the fourth edition of the Everest, really putting it's the richest race, uh, but not as prestigious as the Melbourne Cup. We know that. <laughs> um, Sydney love to go on about it, but that's all right. We've got our Melbourne Cup. They've got this new thing. Um, but that all runs. Uh, some good horses in that. Classic legend runs in again. He won it last time. Who are your some of your standouts maybe in that race? Yeah, um, Classic Legend, uh, obviously last year's winner of the Everest, they, uh, the owners of that horse uh, are from Hong Kong and so they took it over there and they were going to race it there um, and not bring it back to Australia, but I don't think it settled in over there very well, so they've brought it back and it hasn't raced here um, since being back from Hong Kong yet, but apparently it's been trialling very well, so um, it's definitely a live chance to uh, make it back-to-back. Um, Nature Strip is this the probably the most well-known horse in the field but um there's a a lot of a lot of pressure in the race horses like it and eduardo um are all going to be rushing forward so there's going to be a lot of speed in the race early so um horses like classic legend and g trier and mask crusader will will be flying home late and i'm sure it'll be a uh a tight finish yeah, Jaita, uh, I, th- I think Barrier 2, I think it is, has drawn a similar bar- a barrier in big races. I think, I'm not sure if it was that one last time. Um, found it hard to get out, um, but I think that's a good horse. That might be a rough chance. It's coming in about 8 or 10 bucks, I'm not sure. Uh, what, what, what is it, some of your ones, uh, Josh? Uh, yeah, the Jaita, he's actually coming in Barrier 1. So Barrier 1. That's pretty good. Yep, anyway, Closest one to the horse <laughs> What? Go on, yeah. sorry. So yeah, G Tri and um, the Mask Crusader as well. I reckon he's um he's been at the track and this distance four times, and he's finished first three times and uh, placed once. So that's a pretty good record, if you ask me. Well, there we go. We look forward to that this weekend, the Spring Carnival, and look, spring spring's a great time. Hopefully. Uh, meetings and events and sporting events and music events will be about to, uh, you know, get to attend in the future. Uh, and that's all coming up. <laughs> I had to find that on the fly. I didn't pre-prep that, but uh, it gets us in the mood, of course, the bugle. Uh, but that about wraps us up uh, for the sports desk uh, this Friday morning. Hope you've enjoyed. You can catch the podcast, our social media, and, of course, you can catch us live next week, Friday from 9 a.m. We'll see you then. Thank you, Matt, and thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me, Sam. This is Sin, where young people run the show.